come forward. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and dive on in. I want you to grab your bulletins. We have a lot happening in the life of our church. Somebody said to me, Greg, you say that every Sunday. You know why I say that every Sunday? Because it's true. There's a lot happening at FCC, and uh, I want you to be aware of some of the events that are just around the corner. We've got the Wild Game Feast tomorrow night. If you've never eaten, what, what, what do we eat? Like pheasant and deer and raccoon. Do we eat raccoon? I think we do, don't we? Oh, yeah. It's a fine meal, isn't it? That's right. Come on out tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. It's a great time. Families at First is ongoing on Wednesday evenings. We're two weeks in. Uh, We're having a great time. All of you adults and and, and college students even, we're going through a study, a large group study of the book of 2 Corinthians. It's my favorite book in the Bible. You will love this study, not because I'm teaching it, but because 2 Corinthians is awesome. Come on out Wednesday nights. We do have one special event on a Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday we're going to have an Ash Wednesday service in the Family Life Center, and you won't want to miss that. Next Sunday, Golden Anniversary Sunday, we'll be honoring all those couples that have been married 50 years or more. And we have several. Karen, give me a guesstimate. 15 couples? probably 15 to 20 maybe. So come on out. Uh, Many of you who are married like me, we're getting ready to celebrate our 20th this year. It just blows my mind that people have been married for 50 years, and that's awesome, and we want to honor them next week. Second service choir. We're in the process of starting a second service choir. We practice on Sunday evenings at 530 right here. There's a whole bunch of you that need to come out tonight and be a part of practice. It's going to be a good time. Jim is leading that. And then one thing that's not on, on the screen that I I want to mention Aaliyah Burton has uh, spearheaded a new ministry opportunity that we're launching this year. It's called Prom. It's going to take place on Saturday, March 24. It's the celebration of marriage. Couples uh, like myself that have been married for a while, or maybe you're a brand new couple, just got married, it's a time to dress up. There's a dinner that's going to be served. There's dancing, celebration. There's going to be a guest speaker. It's going to be out at Little Galilee. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. You can find more information in the foyer when the service is over. If you're new to FCC, or maybe you're here today because of some of the special events that are going to take place, we're doing something different this year in that instead of really long sermon series like we normally do, 10-week series, 12-week series, 13-week series, this first half of 2012, each month we're just looking at something, a four-week series here, five-week series there. January, we looked at the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis, and we learned some great life lessons from Joseph. This month, the month of February, we're looking at Moses and his life. And last week, we looked at God's call on Moses. See, the Israelite people were, were under a great oppression. Unlike when Joseph's narrative takes place at the end of Genesis, it's a different world when the book of Exodus begins. There's a new Pharaoh. The Israelites have been uh, sold into slavery. Life is pretty awful. And God picks Moses, of all the people that he could pick, he picks Moses to be his ambassador, to be his mouthpiece, to be his messenger, to go to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man on the earth at that time, with a very simple message, let my people go. And Moses wants no part of it. If you were here last week, not in here, we were in the Family Life Center, you heard all the different excuses that Moses came up with. He said, you know, I, why me? I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not eloquent enough, why me? 
God says you're the man, and eventually he agrees to be God's messenger, to be God's mouthpiece, to be God's ambassador. In chapter 5, we're not going to really look at chapter 5 today, but I need to give you the events of chapter 5 so you'll understand what took place. Moses agrees to go to Pharaoh, and he goes, and in verse 1, the message is very simple. This is the message of the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go. Moses obeys. He goes to Pharaoh, says, this is what God says, this is what the Lord says, let my people go. Pharaoh responds with a question. It's a question that's kind of a statement as well. He says, who is the Lord that I should listen to him? Who is the Lord? And let me just draw this point of application that's not even in your notes today. That's the cry of many in America in 2012. In our world in 2012, who is the Lord? The Lord? Who is the Lord? Many people are saying, is there a God? If there is, do I have to listen to him? Who is the Lord? Well, Pharaoh's not done there. Pharaoh goes on and he says, you think you're something special. Your God said, come to me and say, let my people go. Let me show you how life can really be tough. And he begins to oppress and oppressed people even more. That's a mouthful. He oppresses and oppressed people even more. He says, all these bricks that you're making, we're providing the straw for you. No more. Now you're going to have to go out. You're going to have to get your own straw. And you're still going to have to produce exactly the same number of bricks. So a bad life just got worse. A tough role just became tougher. And the people of God, the Israelites, they go to Moses, and, and what do they do? Do they go high-five him and say, way to go, Moses. You really showed the Pharaoh. What do they do? They said, you're an idiot, Moses. Keep your mouth shut. What do you mean, let my people go? Do you realize how tough our life is now? They actually say, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. And they're not saying it with a smile on their face. They're ticked. They're fired up. They're angry. In chapter 5, Moses finally just kind of looks up at the Lord with that one word sigh of his heart and just says, why? Lord, remember when I was given those excuses? Remember when I was saying, I'm not the man? This is because I knew what would happen. I knew I'd go to the Pharaoh and he wouldn't listen. I knew the people, uh, uh, the Israelites would get fired up. And now a bad situation has become worse. And it's in that context that the Lord speaks to Moses a message for his people. And it's a message that was relevant in 1450 B.C. And I believe it's a message for you and me today in 2012. Let's read it together. Exodus chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, you say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. 
I will take you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. I think there's three lessons that God is telling Moses to tell to his people. And these are lessons that each and every one of us today, Christ follower, not Christ follower, can connect with. And lesson number one is this. The Lord says, I hear the hurting of my people. I I hear. I hear. Verse 5 of our text, the Lord says, I've heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. I think one of the lessons of Exodus 6 is that God hears our cries. I know for a fact that there there are people here today that if you are being honest, you would say, my heart has cried out to the Lord, and he is not listening. I've cried out, God, why am I in this awful job situation? Why do I work for such an awful man or such an awful woman? Maybe you've cried out and said, why is my school situation such as it is? Why have my friends turned their back on me like they have? Why has my prodigal created problem after problem after problem? Why, 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 why? And if you're being honest, we don't do that in church all the time, but if you're being honest, you would say, God doesn't listen to me. God doesn't hear my cry. I know that's what the Israelites were saying. See, 400 years of slave, 400 years of awful life after awful life, circumstance and experience, God God hears us? Are you kidding me? The Israelites cried out. Are you kidding me? They fought in their hearts. And the Lord says, I hear you. I, I listen to your cries. Be patient. Wait. Lesson number two. The Lord says, knowing me is better than going free. Knowing me is better than going free. In verse three, here's what he says. He says, I appeared to Abraham. I appeared to Isaac. I appeared to Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. And one of the great lessons of our text, and it's so relevant for us today, is that knowing him is greater than, in this case, being free. I would say knowing him is greater than that one thing that you're fired up about. All of us have been there. Maybe some of us are there today, February 12, 2012, but all of us have been there before where we've kind of cried out to God and we've just said, God, if I could just have better friends at school, everything's going to be good to go. Or God, if that coach that's so tough on me, if he'd just go away, everything would be good to go. Or God, if my job, if I just had a different supervisor, or I just had a different job altogether, or I just had a job, life would be so much better. It'd be good to go. And God cries out and says, you know, knowing me, it's greater than that one thing. The Israelites were saying, if we could just be set free, life will be good. And God says, knowing me is better than going free. 
He says something here that we read it, and, and I bet most of you missed it. Maybe all of us missed it. He says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. The term is El Shaddai. Um, he says, but by my name, the Lord, Yahweh, I, I didn't know Abraham that way. I didn't know Isaac that way. I didn't know Jacob that way. He's saying, you can know me in a way that's greater than the way I knew Abraham. You can know me in a way that that is greater than Isaac knew me or Jacob knew me. It's a radical statement. Do you know who Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were? They were the heroes of the faith. When they sat around at night after an oppressive day of serving the Egyptians, and if they still worshipped, if they still had time of worship, the good old days were the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the days they told their children and their grandchildren about a long time ago. It wasn't like this. We weren't an oppressed people. Things were good to go. Those were the days of Abraham. And the Lord cries out and says, you can have a better relationship with me than the heroes of the faith did. Lesson two, knowing me is better than going free. Lesson three, the Lord says, I am more than the Almighty. This term El Shaddai translated the Almighty. It really literally should be translated God the Mountain One. But but most scholars translate it as God the Almighty. And it's the name of God for his omnipotence, his greatness in terms of power. It's a truth that he can and he will do absolutely anything. And that's how Abraham knew him. Abraham knew him as God the Almighty. But what he's saying right here is that I am more than just powerful. I am more than just omnipotent. I am the Lord. I'm Yahweh. I am the Lord. And they cry out and they say, our life is pretty bad. And he says, but I I am the Lord. And they say, it'd be pretty good if we weren't slaves anymore. And he says, but I am the Lord. And so here's my challenge for you and your lives whatever you're carrying with you, whatever struggles you have, whatever you wish was different, the next time you start thinking, man, I wish the job was different, hear God in in your ear saying, I am the Lord. The next time you think, I wish my kids would get it all figured out, I wish my prodigal would come home, I, I wish the grades would improve, just hear that cry in your ear, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. The Lord says, I'm more than the, the Almighty. I'm more than just power. I'm more than just omnipotence. Well, I told you that we were going to look at nine verses in Exodus chapter 6, and we've only looked at eight. So let's put verse 9 up on the screen. This is how the narrative ends. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but what? They did not listen to him because of their discouragement because of their cruel bondage. And this is my commentary that I'm going to put up on the screen next. What a great tragedy, I think, Exodus 6 presents. Israel was so discouraged, the pain was so great, it kept them from connecting with their only hope in this seemingly hopeless situation. The only hope they had was Yahweh. I am the Lord. It was the only hope And the hurt was so great. The pain was so intense. The frustration had built to such a point. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. Let me finish with just a special word for you today. If you're here today and you're discouraged. And I know some of you are. You've told me that. 
will you listen to God? Will you listen to the Lord? God has not forsaken you. God has not forgotten you. God hears your hurt, and he wants you to know him. He's more than the Almighty. He's more than El Shaddai. He's even more than Yahweh. He's revealed himself through Jesus Christ. And my friends, this morning, if you find yourself trying to make your way through a world that seems chalked full of hopelessness, I stand before you today with one message and one message only. Jesus is the answer. Let's pray. God, thanks for today. Thanks for blessing us. And Father, it's my hope and it's my prayer that, that we're listening. That whether life is great, whether life really stinks, we're listening. I love reading through books like Exodus. I love reading it because I'm reminded that my life is just a walk in the park compared to what your people went through so many years ago. But I'm reminded that literally from the very beginning, you were all about relationships. You were all about connecting points. You were all about taking hurts and answering those hurts. And sometimes we, we want instant gratification. We want instant satisfaction. We want that one thing to be no more. And you know what we really need to do is just listen to you say, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Father, thank you for Jesus. He's our hope. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. This morning, as we do every Sunday here at our church, we offer you an invitation to respond. If you look at your life and you think something's missing and you're not a follower of Christ, I invite you to come forward and learn what it means to be a Christ follower. If you're just broken down today and you just need someone to hug you, maybe say a prayer with you, I would love to do that. Let's stand together as we sing together our song of commitment.
You may be seated. I'm going to ask my good friend Ernie Harvey Jr. to come on up right now. Today is a very special day. Uh, we have uh, had the opportunity to put some surprises together for Ernie, and uh, we're just really thankful that today we can celebrate 20 years of ministry that Ernie and April Harvey have been able to have here at First Christian Church. Um, and Ernie, I just want to just ask you a couple questions as we get the festivities going this morning. Um, you started in February of 1992. Yes. Uh, right out of Bible college. Uh, how, how's ministry different? You know, looking back on 1992, we're going to see some pictures in a minute. You looked a little different then, but um, <laughs> how's ministry different? Uh, 